Regardless of how we find ourselves in the world of divorce, the one thing we have complete control over is how we behave from here on out. We have two choices. One is to remain stuck in the stories, the anger and pain. And the other is to take a breath, adjust our sail to the wind, and work harder than ever before to create a new story for our children, for ourselves, and for the world around us. It's your choice, your work, but I'll be in your corner. Welcome to In Your Corner Divorce Podcast. My name is Carly Israel, and I am your host. Today, I have the privilege of talking with Julie Danielson. Julie, welcome. Thank you. Julie is a life coach for women struggling to get over divorce. She helps them live their best life. She's a relationship coach, mentor, and podcast host of Get Over Divorce. We were just discussing her main niche is is helping women who are stuck that had this idea of what life was going to look like post-divorce and how she can get them unstuck and thriving. And I'm going to mention this again at the end when we talk about it more, but she has an amazing community of women. uh, And I will include this in the episode notes. It's called Thriving Community, Women Supporting Women Through Divorce. And will you just mention right now, because I think it's such an important factor of how we both feel, Mm -hmm. why do you have strict rules about what is and is not allowed said in there? I've seen so many divorce-related communities where people just vent and vent. And I think when you go down that path of venting, people jump on board and it really brings the energy of the whole collective down. And the purpose of my group is not to give people a place to vent because it doesn't give them anything productive or constructive to do with that. They just you know, unload and it brings everybody down. So the purpose of my group is, you know, ask mindful questions, get help, but do it in a constructive way where you're not just disparaging your ex or the other woman or anything like that. So right. I because think- what's the goal, right? That that comes back to what is your goal? Yeah. Healing. Writing over it. Yes. And through the only way out is through, right. Moving on. And I have to tell you this. I don't know if you know this person, but I just found her on Instagram and I'm crushing on her like a middle schooler. Um, It's at breakup healer. Have you ever heard of it? It is. So you cannot get rid of that pain without identifying it and walking through it. It, And both of us discussed before we started, we both have different ways in our programs of addressing it. But what the breakup healer does when she, I think, I don't know if all of her posts are her own original or not, regardless, like her voice is the inner queen voice of what I want to only focus on. And it acknowledges the pain, but it's all about empowerment and like using it to push your way up instead of like feeling bad. Yeah. And I think one of the biggest mistakes women do is they're constantly looking backwards and they're trying to like fix it in their brain and like figure out what went wrong. And they sit in that place of like spinning and trying to figure it out when really they need to stop looking at what they've already been through and start looking forward at what they do want because we create in our minds, our lives. And if we are constantly looking backwards, we're going to just get more of that crap. 
we're going to get more of that, the energy that comes with looking backwards. We need to start looking forward and creating a future. One of the really sad things I notice when I get on the phone with a woman for the first time, I ask them, what do you want? And they struggle. They don't even know what they want. Because they're so used to the answer being the story. They want to tell you the story. Yeah. And they don't know what they want. And you asking that is stopping the story. Because what you want is in the present and future. You can't have anything to do with the past. But what they keep doing is repeating what they don't want. Yes. And when you say and you speak into the universe all the things that you don't want, the universe doesn't discern whether you want it or not. It's right. just the energy that you're carrying around. And you're just going to get more of that. Yes. Yes. So, so they can use what they don't want but they can use it in the positive and say, I want someone who is a great communicator. I want someone who values intimacy. Like, so you don't focus on what you don't want. You focus like with kids, like when you're raising kids, you don't say stop hitting your brother. You say gentle hands, you know, so you focus on what you want. It's kind of the same thing. Stop yelling. (laughs) Right. And then they hear you yelling. So before we even get into all your goodness, I want to start with where you've come from. So Without too much detail, please give me a little bit about your first marriage, the dynamic, the big issues you see looking back, and anything that you learned that has helped you become a better coach. God, I feel I'm so grateful for my first marriage and having gone through it, because if I didn't go through all that crap, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have learned what I learned about it the hard way. And I wouldn't know how to apply it to my life today so that I don't have to live that life again. Yes. I, um, met my first husband at age 19. Mm. We were together for 19 more years, married 13, and we had two children together. We're from Alaska. We ended up living in Alaska. And when we went through our divorce, it, it was really because I mean, I was in massive amounts of depression and couldn't figure it out. When I started working on myself, I thought, okay, I'm, I'm doing pretty good now. It's time to look at my marriage. And it was like, Ooh, <laughs> this is right. broken. So, and wait, and it, can you pause for a second? Something you just said that was so important. If we don't first start looking at ourselves yeah. and we just look at what's broken in the marriage, then mm-hmm. it's a mess. You have to start with yourself because Regardless of the answer, whether the answer is we need to work on the marriage and make it better, or we need to to separate, the work still starts with us. Yes. It's the only thing you have control over. I can't control him. I can't control the marriage. I can control what I bring to the equation. So what kind of mess are you talking about? Like, are you guys not communicating? Is there not physical intimacy? What's, what's the messy stuff? All of the above. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I would say gosh, what could I say? We were disconnected. Yeah. When, when I get really down to the root, like everybody says it was a communication problem. I hear that a lot. And I'm like, God, no, we were disconnected. We never had that intimate foundation of a connected relationship, right? Like there was so much resistance and guardedness and mm-hmm. unwilling to be vulnerable in that marriage. Both of you? Both of us. Okay. And then I'd say what really was the straw that broke the camel's back um, was I felt 
I, you know, the comics out there that talk about the mental load of a woman. Mm -hmm. I should have wrote those. (laughs) (laughs) I I just felt like I was doing it all. I was bringing, you know, bringing in, I was working more than full time. Um, and he was the teacher and he'd be off earlier and I'd come home and like, he's cracked a beer and sitting on the couch and I've got to get the kids from daycare. I've got to do the, do the laundry, do the dinner, do the dishes. I, I felt like I was doing all of it. Mm-hmm. And I didn't feel like I had a supported partnership. And I think that was really the straw for me that, that broke the camel's back. And Can I ask you a question? Mm-hmm. So I've heard this a lot with women because I definitely... I think that pretty much across the board, and I'm not speaking for everyone because I know some awesome men, like my husband, my, my second husband, who yeah. like really show up and do a lot of work. So I'm not, I, I do not believe in, in any way that there are not men like that. But my right. question to you, and you might, you need to think about this is if he didn't ever do the actual work work, like, like the helping out, but he was emotionally supportive and physically and, and spiritually connective and was it there for you in the ways that we're not talking about, like not those ways that everyone is comfortable talking about. Like I had to do everything physically. I feel like it's possible. It would have been different because there's some people that don't mind doing all that. I think it's possible. Um, but I'm remarried too. And my now husband, you know, before I, I would have said a long time ago, Oh God, I'm never getting married again unless I can have a wife. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Right. And and my now husband is um, very supportive. He does so many things around the house for me. Wasn't it so uncomfortable in the beginning? You're like, this is so strange oh, that you're totally. doing these like, things. Wait a minute. Yeah. I'm supposed to cook dinner because I'm the woman. What right. is happening? So many yeah. gender. Yeah. It's totally the gender roles. And I, it was totally uncomfortable. And then it was like, wait a minute. One of those moments where you ask yourself the real, the real question, do I really want to cook dinner? Right. <laughs> No, I I can, but I don't really want to. So um, going back to your first marriage, when you realized it was broken, were you guys, what were you doing at that point? Have you gone to marriage counseling? Did you talk about it? What was happening? We went to a few marriage counselors and um, I think it's very typical that people go see a marriage counselor when the marriage is totally broken. And I don't think anybody could have helped us. Yeah. And it was, it was such a place of horrible blame. Like he blamed me for everything. I blamed him for everything. And we were both right. Like I can honestly say (laughs) to this day, like everything he said was a hundred percent true. Right. And, but like people in a divorce don't really recognize that there's like his reality and my reality and they did not overlap at all <laughs> yeah, I always say there's three versions yes his, his mine and the truth and the but truth. the fact that you're able to say out loud that he was right and that you were right is because you must have done a ton of work because oh, yeah. normally that story which we're going to get into in a little bit but that story of no he wasn't right and I was wronged is not true unless you're talking about like severe outlying like mental issues that are not what we're talking about. Exactly. Exactly. And I think one of the best things we did do, and it's hard, hard as it was, is we decided to fill out the divorce paperwork on our own and not use lawyers. Mm -hmm. 
And our theory was um, we would have to come to an agreement on everything, including the children. Like we had little, little. You didn't even use a mediator. Mm -mm. Just the two of you. Yes. And I got to tell you. You're lucky. (laughs) In the beginning, it was not easy. He would be coming to my apartment and. Oh, because you had already physically separated. By the time we were filling out divorce paperwork, yes. We pretty much once the decision was made, I put, I mean, the the universe aligned. I put a sign on the house, on the lawn, in the front of the lawn and for sale by owner. And I sold it within a week for full price. So it was just, it was just. So you moved out of your home together. Did you both move to separate homes? We did. We had to move out of the family home, which was beautiful. We, it was gorgeous. We had just remodeled everything. Same. We, I, we designed and built our house and I was like, (laughs) That was really hard, especially moving into an apartment, right? And one of the things we agreed on was we would not move the boys out of their school district. Mm -hmm. So we live in a very um, upper crust area, and it's really hard to find an apartment. And the ones, you know, there just wasn't good pickings, but we did, and we managed. And, you know, here we are 12 years later and we still live within two miles of each other and we both live in one of the really you know the nicest neighborhoods of how old were your kids when you went through the divorce when we separated they were five and seven okay do you remember how you told them yeah together and i don't i don't know that they really understood very much they're so young yeah yeah but you know i i think in really like you talk about the North Star divorce. I yeah. think that's so beautiful. I think what my ex and I had was a model of a family that got divorced many years before us. And they modeled what a good, healthy divorce looked like and what good co-parenting looked like. So a lot of times is as argumentative as we were trying to fill out the paperwork and like we finally were only doing it at coffee shops and I would like pack up all my shit and leave and get this and walk out the door and be like, you know, it was awful. We were doing most of our negotiations over text message. Can I just tell you how smart you are though? I mean, I can't even tell you how much money you saved. Oh yeah. That's a miracle. But what happened to me was my, I now call my husband. Someone taught me that instead of my ex. So I call my husband and he got his family and his family got involved. And then once that happened, it was the divorce process was not pleasant, which is one of the things I like to do as a coach is like, you don't have to do it this way. Like, so what, what I did was I had a friend that was right behind me and I said, these are all the things you should not do. And she did, she was like, okay, I learned from your mistake. These are all the things you did that did not work. And so she like started it like that. So I think I commend you guys, even for the storming out of the coffee shops, it's still better. It was still better in the end, because when we finally turned in the divorce paperwork, we agreed that we agreed on everything. And I think it created a strong foundation for co-parenting. And after that court appearance, we went, um, we walked across the street and had a beer together, (laughs) of which I also soon left. (laughs) (laughs) So was there, what do you think? I I think you guys, it sounds like you did a really great job. What, what lessons did you learn that help you become the coach you are today to help women from that process? You know, I think, um, 
one of the things I see a lot of women struggling with is their ex being with a new woman, mm-hmm. right? And early on that happened. Um, and, and there were a lot of different scenarios around that, but I always wanted their respect. I wanted them to respect me because he did. He, he always respected me. And especially with the children, I think that is so, so important. And I was always kind and cordial to the other women. And I think really the big, the big picture was you can never have too many adults that love your children. I love that. Right. And you didn't feel threatened because see, that's how I was like, I don't feel threatened because I'm their mom. I'm their only mom. No one's asking them to call them mom. And I would not allow it anyways. And I don't feel afraid of anything because like you said, more people to love my children, but me and their father made it very, very clear to our children. You only have one mom and one dad. And, And for my husband, I am like the aunt to his kids. Like I'm, even though I'm their stepmom, I'm not their mom. I don't make any rules. I would never, in, because I've heard stories that do not work out well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I'm lucky my stepchildren were like 16 and 19 girls. Wow. Foreign to me. So yeah, that was, that's a whole nother podcast. I, but, I'm telling you, I would love to do that because blended families is a big thing. It's, and it sounds like you have a great story with yours. Yeah. Yeah. Um, before we get into that, I want to talk about some of the awesome things that you are doing. Um, I have down here, I want to know why your comfort zone is bad for you. Oh my gosh. That's such a good question. <sighs> so, and I think it's exacerbated with COVID because like our, our brain wants to keep you safe all the time, right? Like that is its job. And unfortunately, like anything that is amazing that you're going to do in life is outside of your comfort zone, right? Applying for that next level, amazing job, um, going on a date for the first time, um, you know, going, doing anything fun, even going hiking with your friends, there's going to be this little bit of like getting out of your comfort zone, doing something maybe that you've never done before, but like, Everything you've ever done, you've at one point had to do it for the first time, right? And the problem with our comfort zone is a lot of times we seek comfort and really comfort is eating cookies on the couch, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's really with Netflix, right? In Netflix, right? Yeah. And, and that's not anything amazing. Nothing amazing is going to happen when you're doing that. So getting out of your comfort zone means, you know, taking risks and trying new things and meeting new people and putting yourself in new social situations and maybe going on that date for the first time and finding love, right? So how are you helping clients right now? Because COVID's not going away. It's going to be here for at least a year plus, right? Right. With masks and all these rules. How are you helping clients get out of their comfort zone now? Um, so doing things safely, Mm -hmm. one of the side effects of COVID that is like kind of a unintentional benefit or like an unusual benefit 
is it's made online dating really interesting. I agree. Yes. There's so many more people online doing online dating because they're so bored out of their mind and they're seeking that social connection, but they're more willing to meet like this during a video conference. And connect without the physical. Exactly. Which takes away so much pressure, right? you're able to meet more people and connect with more people. And like, like you can tell when you have chemistry with somebody, yeah. you're talking to them. Yeah. Like, like you and you like, can't oh. look away. Right. You can't look right. away. And you know, so what happened with me and my, my husband today is we literally did not even hug until we already made the decision to get married. So like we were just friends and we just went down that path together and connected, connected, connected. And we fell in love with each other's like humanity. And I'd never done that my entire life. I was usually like lust, sex, love, time, trust. And why isn't this working? And to do it backwards in COVID, like you said, it's a blessing. I have to ask you, do you know of any awesome dating sites for post-divorce? Um, so everybody has a different opinion mm-hmm. on this yeah. and it's so funny because people will post inside my Facebook group, yeah. um, all about their dating experiences. Right. And everyone has a different experience. You need to be ready. Right. Of course. Date, right. You need to have the confidence to date And then like whatever medium you use to go out there is just one of the mediums. Right. But you haven't heard of any that are like actually real and not just hookups. That are what? Like actually real, like the people on there are like, are wanting to have authentic connections rather than just hookup. You know, honestly, I've had, I've had friends that met their husband on Tinder. So So you're right. It could happen anywhere. It can happen anywhere. I have a, one of my best friends met her husband in line at the grocery store. So it can happen anywhere. And, I love that. I mean, one of the things that the ladies do talk about is they like, um, they like Bumble because the they women get to choose out, they get yes. to choose, they get to connect. Um, and you really just have to be willing. You have to be willing to meet a lot of men and make a lot of connections if you really want to meet the right one. Like, it's like, I don't know. It's like shopping for a wedding dress. You're not going to just go to one rack and say, okay, this is the one. You're going to look at everything and then another store and you're going to look at everything and then you're going to narrow it down and then you're going to try on at least 10 Mm-hmm. right? Before you decide on the one. So- and you get to be discerning, which I think is amazing. You know, it, as women, you know, for me, I'm 41. And at, at this age, I love who I am because I've done a ton of work to get there. And I take what didn't work in my first marriage and I use it and I empower myself to make a choice, right? We talked about this earlier, a positive choice. These are the deal breakers for me. I want, this is what I want, not what I don't want. This is what I want. I want somebody who's willing to dig deep. Like you were talking about in your first marriage, you felt so disconnected. I wanted connection. Absolutely. And if you don't find that, that's your responsibility to pass on. Let's move on. Absolutely. It's like, you have to know your must haves. You have to know the red flags and a red flag is not just a red flag. It doesn't mean slow down. It means get out. Yes. Because if, if he's showing any kind of a red flag, 
it's only going to get worse as time goes on. And I guarantee you, any woman that's ever been divorced can look back and say, oh yeah, I saw the red flags. I went down the aisle anyway, right? Can I ask you a question? Yeah. How did you decide to only coach women? That's a great question. Um, when I remarried my husband, one of the things that he asked me to do was to unfriend anybody on Facebook that I had dated in the <laughs> internet. Yes. And at first I was like, well, that's weird. Oh, that's uncomfortable. And then, <laughs> then I thought about it and I was like, that's what I want. I want someone that's all in, has no back doors to anybody else. Yes. And is totally committed to me and willing to put his money where his mouth is and like yeah. disconnect from all of them. So part of it was is like honoring that, honoring that and like being in a women only type of business. And I, and I gotta say, I feel like it's my purpose to serve women. Yeah. Um, even though I've had a few male one-off like, yeah. friend clients, yeah. it's so interesting because they have the same problems we do. Exactly the same. Actually, yeah. the majority of the people that have come to me separately in the figuring it out part, not the actual the divorce part, are men. So the women are usually the ones who want the help with the post-divorce and like, how do I like become and get mm -hmm. through? And the men are the ones who need help figuring it out. And how do I figure out what to do next? Wow. Is that it's because they want, is it because they wanted the divorce? It's because they're in, actually, it's really interesting. It's so different than what we always typically think. They're in the most amount of pain. There's been infidelity, not from them, and they don't know how to deal with it. Okay. And it's interesting because society is always talking about it the other way around. Yeah. And as you and I know, and I truly have zero judgment about this infidelity is not the problem the real problem is there is a space that was created by two people in a relationship because my husband and I today have zero me and him both talk about it all the time we were both constantly looking before before we met each other like our eyes couldn't even focus because we were just so hungry today it's like I don't even see another male because I have everything I want and, right. But when you don't have that in a relationship on mm -hmm. every level, that's where the space starts to grow. And so, right. Yeah. And you're hungry. You're hungry. You're for starving. That. Starving. And it's not just physically. It's you're hungry for connect. Like you talk connection. connection. I think yeah. that's so important what you said. Everyone's go-to answer. Cause I take polls all the time. Anonymous ones. I love them. And I always ask like, what do you think? Check all the ones that apply are the big ticket items. And number right. one is always communication because they think that's what it is. But I think what you're saying really is yeah. it's about connection because yeah. what happens when we communicate, we connect. And so yeah. what they're really saying is I'm not connecting. Mm -hmm. Right. Cause they're yelling at each other, communicating all day long. Right. But see, if you're deeply connected and you have this like real deep love for each other, like, I don't, I don't think you have that bickering going on as much, right? Like, it's well, just my husband and I are willing to step up to the plate in a respectful manner because okay. we were both in marriages where we didn't use our voice. Oh, and so today we are like Mr. and Mrs. Voice and we like practice it all the time. So oh my God, I love that. I think my husband just like 
he's, he's such a great receiver of me using my voice. And that's such an important thing that women need to learn Say how to that. Do. Talk to us about that. That's so important. Uh, I talk about this as like, there's this model that I've written and it's called the relationship spiral. Okay. To be on an upward spiral in a relationship, it is because you are secure in yourself as a person. You express your wants, needs, desires. You are willing to do anything to have those, including break up with the wrong person because they get in the way of it. And when you are that secure in what you want and you completely stand for what you want and you use your voice to express yourself, you're getting your needs met, right? Yes. So either the guy is going to be willing to meet you to help you get your needs to met. To step it up, yeah. Or he doesn't. And you're yeah. not afraid. You don't feel afraid because what I believe is if this, I, I live who I am, I'm true to myself, right? We found it out what, what all that beautiful stuff you said was so awesome. The relationship spiral. And then if the person is not right, cause we only want someone who they are. I don't want someone to become something, right? If this yeah. is not who you are and where you want to be, no yeah. judgment. I just don't want that. Like I want, this is what I want and I'm not willing to settle. Yeah. And I would rather be alone than with somebody who can't be that. That's such a huge piece is you have to be willing to be alone and mm -hmm. stand for, like really stand for getting your needs met rather than be with somebody that is not willing to help you get your needs met. Yes. And what I've also learned, and we totally could do another podcast on second marriages since I think we're both lucky enough to be in one that's really positive and yeah. healthy I've also learned even in the best marriage, the best relationship you could possibly find, which I truly believe I'm in. And I think that you are too, yeah. is even in that there's going to be struggles and challenges. Mm -hmm. And I have to be capable of meeting my own needs in areas that my husband's not capable of meeting. Oh, absolutely. There's certain areas. I mean, we live in two different States. We have wow. a, yeah. So just let that resonate. So we live in two different states and it's going to be like that for at least 10 years because of our children. And we make it work the best we can, but there are certain needs that he's not capable of meeting. And in the beginning, I would get mad. Like, why can't you do this? And then my coach was like, cause he can't. So right. how are you going to meet those needs? And I was like, I guess I'm going to meet them. Like, I guess I, I, I said this to my friend. I said, I was always searching for the person that was going to be able to do all of that. And then I found it when I looked in the mirror and there's certain things that only I can do that nobody else can do. And he compliments, but he cannot meet all of them because it's not possible. Yes, absolutely. I love that. Will you tell me about, you've written about control issues, about what's happening at your children's other, you know, parents' house, and then how you use boundaries to help with this? No, I, it's so funny because I, I see women posting in my Facebook group, like stressing out because the ex wouldn't do his fair share of taking the kids to their doctor appointments or dealing with the online class schedules or doing any of that stuff. 
And when I really dig in with them, I'm like, well, how much of that did he do before you got divorced? Mm-hmm. None. Right. Oh, well, you've trained him. Right. To- you've trained him. Exactly. It's like, do you know what is actually easier? It is actually easier to just keep doing it all and not try to train him now that you're divorced to actually pick up that slack. It's just easier. And when women resist that, they're also mad when the ex does take care of that and then doesn't communicate anything back to them. So you really got to be careful what you wish for. (laughs) <laughs> or you know what else I see with clients that they struggle? They get mad that they're now stepping up to the plate. And why didn't you step up to the plate when we were together? Oh, now all of a sudden you're stepping up to the plate. And I'm like, could you, you made the dis- You guys are no longer together. Like be grateful, like be yeah. grateful. Could you imagine having to look in your children's eyes and say, no, I'm so sorry. Your dad's not able to come here. Like you have someone showing up. Like I yeah. personally think this and my ex would never agree, but I, pl- I believe a hundred percent that our divorce made him a better father. Mine too. Yeah. Because I wasn't there. Stop enabling him. Yeah. I mean, my mom joked about it. She's like, you like color by number for him. Like mm-hmm. when we first started being physically separate and I was like, he did okay. And I'm like, that-. she's like, that's because you literally did everything and you just walked away and let him do it. Yeah. So tell me about the idea what I read some of what you wrote about control issues, you know, being worried. I hear a lot about like, well, they're allowed to do this at dad's house and they're not doing this at my house. How do you help clients with that? You know, I really strongly, strongly believe that kids need big boundaries. Kids need rules. Kids need um, that stability. And if they're going to dad's house and it's Disneyland, let it happen. You can't control it. You know, there was a point where I was actually taking my kids to the dentist more than twice a year, just because they, I know they weren't brushing their teeth very well. I also bought them Sonicare toothbrush. Yes. So at least 50% of the time. Oh, you let them take there. I bought them for his house. Oh, that is very nice of you. All I was doing was like, kind of sending them with tools that might help them be more successful on their own at their dad's house. Right. Um, But overall, it's like, I, I really needed that time for myself to rejuvenate. And I think I really recognize that. So I never fought the 50, 50 thing, even if I, you know, in my mind as a mom going, well, they're not going to bed on time and they're getting, you know, 80% more screen time at their dad's house or whatever. Like we make these stories up inside the head for what we don't know is really going on over there. Right. Um, And I think we need to be very entrenched in reality, right? Like we don't know. It's also not our business. Like unless our children are physically being harmed or being neglected, which is a whole other thing that I do not deal with because I'm not a mental health professional. I'm with you. Right. So unless that's happening and you're just mad that they're doing this and this and that you, what's underneath the anger is always fear. And what's under the fear is they're going to like being at dad's house better, which is how I used to feel in the beginning was Mm -hmm. I remember I'll share this with you. My youngest was in first grade and we were a mess and he is my, like my karma baby and like he was just he would not listen to a word I was saying I could not get him to listen but at school he was perfect so I brought him into his teacher who I love more than anything and I wish like could be my teacher 
first grade teacher, Mrs. Moni, everyone was scared of her, including me. We sat down in the little chairs and I said, Mrs. Moni, I don't know what to do with him about my son. Can you please help me? And my son was like dying. Like, oh my God, we cannot go to her because he was so scared. Can you please help me know what you do in your classroom to help him behave better? Because I do not know how to do that in my house. And my real purpose was like to get him scared. Like, because I always threatened I was going to do it. And I was like, I'm going to do it and show him. Mm -hmm. And she looked at me and she gave me the biggest gift ever. She said, mom, you know exactly what to do with him. Why are you not doing it? And I started crying in front of a first grade teacher. And I was like pretty new, my single momhood. And I said, I'm afraid that he's not going to want to be at my house anymore if I parent him the way that he needs to parent. And she said, well, then I guess you need to parent him the way he needs to parent. And she gave me the permission to be the mom he needed, not the mom I thought he wanted and it's not my business what he's doing somewhere else. Yes. He needed me, right? He still needs me. Mm -hmm. And so if he doesn't have any rules there, not my business. I know his dad loves him. I know his dad is going to, if there's an emergency, we'll take like. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, And can you imagine how exhausting it would be to have to try to micromanage your children every minute when you're not with them? No, I can't imagine it. What I did early on, which I think is, was a big gift to myself was I gave myself permission to really enjoy the time that they were at their dad's and use that time to fill my own emotional bucket in all all the ways. Can you give me some examples? Um, I strongly believed in using my friends as therapy and not for therapy. So mm-hmm. I didn't like have a bitch sesh every time I got with the girlfriends. It was yeah. always for fun. Yes. And you know what I mean? Like yeah. instead of moaning about my ex, I would be with my girlfriends to take my mind off of everything and just mm-hmm. have a good time, you know? And really I tried a lot of new things. It, the whole getting out of the comfort zone. Yeah. Um, idea was I wanted to just try everything. I didn't know what I enjoyed doing. I picked up new craft hobbies. Um, I started painting. Um, I hadn't done art since college and I picked it up again and started taking my niece to art classes and it, and she's now like a renowned artist. Wow. That's so, you, you know what I realized? I've done more bucket list items since my divorce than I've ever done in my entire life. And right. what it, I needed to do, like you just said, I needed to give myself permission to really enjoy the time there at their dad's. Not only that, but when my children look at me and they see what I'm doing, they get to see a mom who's living life. Who they are proud of. They're watching me run races. They're watching me do collections and donations. They're watching me write my book. They're watching me live. And they're like, look, mom, look, look, this is so awesome. They, before I was just their mom yeah, and working. So I wasn't, I was just, just barely making it. And now I'm using that time. I love that you said about giving permission. Mm -hmm. So important. People don't do that for themselves. Oh my God. Look what time it is. Me and you could literally talk for the rest of our lives. Can I ask you one more question? Cause our time is almost up. Absolutely. Um, I want you to talk about this and then I'm not joking. I have to bother you later to have you on again. Cause I had so many more things to ask you. Talk to me about selfish is the new sexy. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's so funny. Um, it really ties back to 
using that time to fill your own emotional bucket whenever you can. And I think women struggle with, oh, I can't appear selfish. Selfish is a word that we've made to be something kind of nasty. And selfish is only bad if you're being selfish where it hurts other people. But what if you're just being selfish to fill your own emotional bucket and your own emotional needs and getting your needs met? Selfish is actually fucking sexy. Yes. You are putting yourself first. I mean, nobody else is going to put you first. No. Right? You are teaching people how you're willing to be treated. So when you teach, when you treat yourself like a fucking queen, then everybody else is going to look at that and say, oh, better treat her like a queen. Right. Because you train people how to treat you. Absolutely. Absolutely. So can you give me an example of what um, selfish is the new sexy looks like? Putting yourself first. Um, So if that means you are struggling and you need help through this, you're not trying to figure out how to afford counseling for your children. You are working your own needs out first because they're, they're not going to be stable if you're not stable. Right. Right. Which we never did before. Right. Absolutely. Because in, in a marriage, a lot of times, especially the first marriage, mm-hmm. we are trained to give and give and give of ourselves and take care of the needs of our kids, take care of the needs of our husband, take care of the needs of everybody and put ourselves last. And being selfish in a good way means take care of yourself, put all of your needs first, because everybody is going to benefit when all of your needs are met. Yes. Cause happy mom makes the happy mom and nothing is better than a mom that's smiling and energetic and excited. And when you get your kids back and you're like, I can't wait to tell you about all the things I did. Yes. And then they're excited about your energy. Yeah, absolutely. It's like I became a better mom because I was no longer depleted energetically. I I always felt like a lemon that had no juice left. Oh, absolutely. I I have nothing left to, I literally have nothing left to give. Yeah. I want to have you back on to talk about um, the the relationship post-divorce because I think that we have something to share, not in a way that people are like, oh, that's never going to happen to me, but in a way that we can say, no, it is, but you have to make a choice about what that's going to look like. And then you have to follow that up, right? With real action. Yeah. Having real boundaries. Yes. You get to direct that relationship. Absolutely. I'm so excited I've had you on here. I'm going to share a few things. Um, so again, the community, I'm going to add this to the notes, thriving community, women supporting women through divorce is the Facebook community. Do not come on if you want to vent and you want to bash, no bashing. And yep. then your website is thrivingthroughdivorce.com. And yep. last but not least, get over divorce is the podcast, which I am absolutely going to be subscribing to because I love getting empowered by other strong women like you. And I want to thank you for your time. Thank you so much. This was so much fun. Thank you so much. I hope you have an awesome day and you enjoy those boys and that man. And I will definitely connect with you again. Sounds fantastic. And have a great I one. want to invite you on my podcast. So I would gonna- love to. Yes. And I want to be part of your community because I want to spread some joy and some 
thriving juice. And you have to check out Breakup Healer because she says, she actually said something that I just posted that I want to read to you real quick. And then I promise I'll let you go. And she said, okay, here it is. Whatever you are not changing, you are choosing. Read that again. Whatever you are not changing, you are choosing. I love the power of honoring. It's called Breakup Healer. But what's her name? Do you I know? don't know. But Sounds I think she might be a god. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not joking. I, I was up at like 1230 at night last night. I'm like, I, she, I go, if she even looks, she's going to see this crazy person who liked every single thing in a row. In all the history of everything she's ever posted. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like everything. Um, I, I can't wait to connect. I would love to be on yours. It would be an honor. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Have a great me. one. Thanks. Thank you. For any listeners who would like to go deeper into my story, check out my memoir, Seconds and Inches, available in paperback, audio, or digital. Regardless of how we find ourselves in the world of divorce, the one thing we have complete control over is how we behave from here on out. We have two choices. One is to remain stuck in the stories, the anger and pain. And the other is to take a breath, adjust our sail to the wind, and work harder than ever before to create a new story for our children, for ourselves, and for the world around us. It's your choice, your work, but I'll be in your corner. Welcome to In Your Corner Divorce Podcast. My name is Carly Israel, and I am your host. On Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and IndieBound. Remember, we get to write this next chapter for our kids, for ourselves, and for the world around us. Have a great day.